Welcome to the Queenfidence Lifestyle Podcast with image confidence expert, Christy Kennedy. She turned a pink slip into the life of her dreams. Imagine having the confidence to do anything, the boldness to speak up in any setting, and the power to unleash who you were destined to be. Welcome back to another hot episode of Queenfidence Lifestyle Podcast. I'm super excited today, as I always am, but we have an extra, extra, extra special guest with us today, author Wendy Tamis Robbins. She has written a powerful book. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been weeping as I've been reading. Did you hear me? I've been weeping as I've been reading because I personally was touched in a, a very special way, and I am an avid reader. Believe you me. And there are just some books that crack you wide open. And this is absolutely the one. It's entitled The Box, An Invitation to Freedom from Anxiety. Wendy is a lawyer by day, writer by night, and a professional panic attacker. Despite <laughs> near crippling anxiety, she worked her way through Dartmouth College and law school before in her 30s. And she set her mind to overcoming anxiety and panic attacks that increase increasingly limited her life. And she has dedicated her life to empowering others to understand what those that experience anxiety go through firsthand and an invitation to see your way out. I want to read an excerpt and I just I absolutely love it. It says, there is a moment when you realize your life is no longer your own. You made it picture perfect. You thought it would make you happy and whole. You thought you could seal the walls tight and feel safe, but the panic doesn't pass and the anxiety seeps in through every crack. Your pain uses perfection to hide the unraveling, but deep inside, you still hear the whisper of a voice that's always been there calling to you, promising that you were meant for more. In the box, she offers a window into the mental illness of all-star athlete, Ivy League graduate, and successful attorney. And today, she is going to uncover for us what it's like to live in her shoes and now outside the box. Welcome, Wendy. God, thank you for having me. That was that gave me chills listening to you. <laughs> Your heart. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you for that intro. And yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, we're, we're really honored for you to be here on today. And I would just love for us to just deep dive into for you to share with us who is Wendy and when did she first experience anxiety that sent her on this path that ultimately led to discovery? Yeah, so it started really young. I, I grew up in a volatile household because there's oftentimes generational mental health that goes untreated, right? And so that's part of um, why, why I'm on this mission now to really end those cycles and get people the treatment that they need. Um, so I had my first panic attack when I was six years old. Um, as you probably remember in the book, I tell the story of um, my parents getting this big refrigerator when I was six and, um, they put the box in the living room for us to, you know, play in. And I was the only one who took the bait. So I would go in, but I found myself really hiding and retreating and, um, and escaping because I could hear the screaming voices and the dishes breaking and all of that chaos on the outside of those cardboard walls. And, 
um, you know, when that box got thrown away, I really took it on as a mental construct and just kept building those walls around me to create a safe place. And those walls then became, they were built with perfectionism and people pleasing and some self-destructive behaviors like eating disorders and things like that. Um, until, you know, as I grew, I became a straight A student and all those things that you said, because externally, those things actually help you in the society that we live in. But over time, like it, they are destructive and it just created even more anxiety, more obsessive compulsive thoughts and panic disorders, constant panic disorders. So by the time I was on top of the world at an Ivy League college, I was calling a suicide hotline from my Mickey Mouse phone, you know, and then I would find ways to manage. But when I graduated from law school, it was like falling off the edge of a cliff. And I thought that getting my first job and finding my first husband and all of those things would create that picture perfect life that would that would help me, would relieve me of all of this anxiety only to find that it was really worse than ever. And I became agoraphobic. I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't be in my law firm without having constant panic attacks. And so finally, it wasn't until about six years ago that I really decided, um, you know, can I live a life on the other side of those walls that had become my prison, right? That box was just a prison for me. And I wasn't living the life that I knew that I could see on the other side of those walls. And that's really where the book came in. It was through writing, through that cathartic process mm. and other things that I did, like exposure therapy, a lot of meditating, a lot of looking back at where I had come from and healing those open wounds and things like that. That's what's chronicled in the book. Um, so it takes you on this journey from the very beginning, starting in that box and just, you know, all of those um, all of those pieces that built those walls and then how I really dismantled all of it to step into the life that was waiting for me on the other side. <laughs> now I'm getting chilled. Dismantled and stepping into the life. Oh yes. My goodness. But talking about taking back your power, Wendy, help us see you know, the transition. So you, you recognize, okay, I don't want to live like this anymore in the box, in my own prison. You know, what were you like some of the scariest moments in stepping out now to be a different version of yourself? Hmm, yeah. Some of the scariest moments were, um, the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is, um, meeting my second husband because I knew that, my first marriage, I knew that that relationship, I was not able to love or be accept being loved. Mm -hmm. um, I was still so shut down and so deep inside that box. And I was with somebody who didn't understand it. So we were, you know, there was a, a there were walls between us essentially. And then when I left that marriage and had done a lot of the work to identify those walls and push my boundaries on my own. I knew that I had done enough work to step into a new relationship, but it wasn't until I was faced with that person who said, I need you to expose everything. You need to be completely vulnerable because if you are, I am here waiting for you. I am the love that you've been looking for essentially. And so it was in moments like that, that you just break down because there's so much fear and shame and guilt. I mean, the shame is such a huge, heavy burden that 
it was decades that I had been carrying these, you know, these things. And so to have that presented to you, this beautiful gift, right. Of somebody just loving you for exactly who you are and then exposing it. It's terrifying, but that's where the real work is done. You know, Mm -hmm. I love that because I talk to high powered women on a weekly basis when, and the one thing that they want is love that deep love, but they are free and hence their own, those walls that you're talking about is Mm -hmm. keeping them from it. Right, right, right. And, and, um, you know, you're so afraid of what might happen that so often we create it before it's even a reality, right? We walk away before the miracle happens. We, we don't, we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable because we're so terrified of the what if, right? The negative scenario that the catastrophizing of we will be hurt again, we will be abandoned again. And you see that cycle in the brain, even though the brain doesn't think it's comfortable, it, it is in a way because it's what we grew up with. It's what we know. And so now we expect the worst mm-hmm. and to expect the best from yourself and from someone else and to, to realize that, you know, in, and to have that sense of surrender too. I talk about resilience a lot. And I think part of resilience is not just being hurt and, and in pain and getting back up again. I think a lot of it is surrendering yourself to the unknown and being unattached enough to become attached, if that makes sense, you know, knowing that you will be fine, even if it doesn't work out. I think that that's a beautiful place to ultimately come to so that you can, um, you know, you can give 100% of yourself to someone else and say, okay, if they walk away, then I'm still going to be fine because I, you have that self-love now, right? You've become whole on your own. Yes, and that's something that stood out in the book. Even when you when you talk about going from self-loathing to self-love, mm-hmm. and even you talking about being in a space where you're free to love, and it's just you getting more and more of that is is becoming amplified as you begin to step out and trust yourself with someone else and be vulnerable, naked, exposed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that confidence just grows over time, and then it helped me as well. Um, be in those other scary places. Like you were saying, what are the scariest places? Some of them are just exposure therapy, like, um, skiing. And there, you know, there's a lot of stories of the skiing and things where it's, it was terrifying for me. Just, you know, the panic attacks were constant or sailing on a boat or Mm -hmm. flying and traveling and doing these things that are, were so outside of my proverbial box, you know, Mm -hmm. but really after being an athlete my whole life and wanting that adventure and wanting that to feel exhilarated and excited and not have that be translated into panic, right? Mm -hmm. It's just no way to live. So living right on the edge of your comfort zone is such an exhilarating place to be. And that's really, you know, where we find our joy and, so to be able to have a partner who's, who's right there with me, you know, not holding my hand, like you can't do this alone. You need me, but just standing right alongside me, like just cheering me on. I love that. Help the individual that is not even familiar with what we may experience having anxiety experiences, what panic feels like if you could describe it for the person that's never experienced and then what is specifically exposure therapy because they're saying okay exposure 
Mm-hmm. I was doing exposure therapy and I didn't even realize I was doing, you know, I just did the uh, climb on the, the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, when, when I got mm-hmm. to the top, my heart was like, I just peeked out over the edge. I was like, okay, that's enough for me. But I was yeah. exposing myself to that, that fear of heights that used to be there and it was crippling. But can you right. tell us in, in your own simple words, what is that? So a panic attack generally has a beginning, middle, and end. And it can come from a thought, but a lot of times it's hard to identify what that thought is. But it essentially triggers your fight or flight response, which dumps all of these stress hormones into your body. And that's a very sanitized, right, biological explanation. But that trigger sets off the feelings of at all at once feeling as if somebody has stolen your breath, you can't take another inhale. It feels like someone really has shoved a, you know, a pillow over your mouth. And at the same time, since your chest, like you have a corset on, like as tight as it could possibly be. And then you get this hot flash because it feels like fire is just running through your veins. And those <clears throat> that's the stress hormone running through the adrenaline, the cortisol, which makes sense because centuries ago in that moment, we were meant to fight for our life or run for our life, right? The fight or flight response. So if you think about it that way, of course, we need all of this crazy energy dumped into our system all at once. But if you're sitting in a car and it's because of the traffic, it's such an incredibly uncomfortable physical sensation that of course your mind immediately thinks, I must be having a heart attack. I must be having a stroke. Something's terribly wrong. And once you start feeling that way, that's when your mental, um, your thoughts become uncontrollable at the same time as the physical symptoms are uncontrollable. And you can think like you're, you can feel like you're just going to go crazy. Like you feel like you're imploding from the inside out and that you're just going to be torn apart at the seams. That is so descriptive. My goodness. I felt every single word picture you painted wow so now you expose yourself because you don't want to live like that when you said like someone stole in your last breath right so unfortunately exposure therapy is learning how to or being willing to step out knowing that that might happen and knowing you're going to live through it because panic attacks don't kill you but they sure as heck feel like they are. And a lot of people do end up in the hospital because they call 911 and so forth. Um, But being afraid of that sensation, being afraid of the experience, or just being afraid of generalized anxiety just makes it worse. So when we can get to a place where we are not afraid of it, but we know how to manage it, move beyond it, it becomes less and less, right? The more panic attacks we live through and therefore our brain can start to be retrained and believe we can live through it, the fewer we'll have. But to expose ourselves to instances where we know that's probably likely to stimulate that fight or flight response um, and do it on purpose, knowing that we will get to the other side Mm. is really important therapy. Mm. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Even just reading about your journey and going back to you taking your power back and that, you know, when I'm coaching clients, I'm always letting them know you do have a choice. And that's what you're saying. I'm going to decide to move through it. I know it may show up 
I'm still going to live my life. I'm not going to allow it to stifle me, imprison me any longer. And, and that mm-hmm. is so inspiring to me. Absolutely inspiring. As someone who's overcome anxiety, especially performance anxiety, I wouldn't, I would tell people, I wouldn't even sing in my own apartment because I was afraid someone was going to hear me on the outside. <laughs> and I remember the last place I sang in public because the, pe- the faces, they just would, it was too much. And I dropped the mic and ran out, but I had to confront that fear and sing again in public if I were ever going to be able to use this voice. And we think about what what the world is missing when we live in prison, missing Mm -hmm. on this brilliance. Like my life has been impacted just by yours and everyone who's going to listen to this message today is going to be impacted. And so I want to say thank you for your courage because the ripple effect you have not even begun to experience the impact of your courage. Yeah, that's so amazing. Thank you so much. But um, that is part of, you know, I do still feel anxious when I put on programs in front of hundreds of people. And, you know, even if it's on Zoom, you see that ticker going up, right? And sometimes I'll put a little sticky over the ticker. I'm like, I don't even need to know. I am just going to step into my truth and serve whoever shows up, right? If one person shows up, that's fine. I just, I'm here to serve. And it's, it's so important for me that I have that faith before that Mm -hmm. I am here with an authentic voice, right? We all have such a unique, authentic voice and message to bring, Mm -hmm. um, whatever that may be. And to have something like anxiety or whatever it may be, that's keeping you in that box, hold you back is just devastating. The idea of that's devastating to me. So, you know, a lot of my work was finding that, that deep peace mm-hmm. and that authentic voice that was underneath all of that anxiety for so long. Like, how could I go back down and mine that again and bring it forth so that I could share, you know, whatever gift I was here to share with other people? And that's what it is. It's a gift. And that gift keeps on giving. Wow. I I love what we're talking about today. And I would love for you to just, as we get near the end of our discussion together, share with us, what do you hope to achieve through your work? You know, how can we end this stigma? What does that look like? Yeah. So that is a big part of this is that not only do I want to share my message with other people who are struggling um, so that they know that they're not alone. That was a huge part of my own recovery was listening to other people's stories so that you don't feel like you're broken, right? You're not broken. There's other people here in the same space with you so that we can all carry the load for each other, right? We don't have to bear that burden alone. But I think it's also when I look at the stigma and the difference of how we deal with physical illness, you know, diagnoses versus mental illness in the United States, there's such a huge chasm that we need to bridge between those two things because too many people are suffering alone. And so I believe it's through empathy, education, and empowerment. I think the empathy piece, it's hard for people to sympathize with what they've never felt. So I think for people who are suffering, we need to give them, we need to amplify those voices. We need to give them a platform and a microphone so that people who don't understand can empathize. I think we also need to educate those people who don't necessarily struggle with mental illness because it's hard for people to believe in what they can't see right? It's not on an Mm x-ray. So educating all of us Mm -hmm. 
in the various mental illnesses will bring a better understanding Mm -hmm. so that I really think that's a crucial component to um, incorporate that social scaffolding, you know, to provide that support for the people who are struggling. And then empowerment. I think it's hard for people to approach a situation where they feel helpless, right? That's not a motivating factor. So if we can empower people who aren't aren't struggling so that they have skills and techniques and tools to bring to those who are suffering. Not only do you present them with the tools, but you, you create a connection and people are isolating themselves so much when they have, you know, they're afraid of their mental illness and to have someone from the outside reach into that dark well that they're in and bridge, you know, have that connection made. I think that's huge. So I think that those are, those are concrete ways that we can start to end that stigma. Mm, I love that, and especially that empowerment piece, because I often hear that, you know, my spouse doesn't understand. And, and so hence, when you talk about partnership, and, and we are, we are community, we are a village, all of us together. And what impacts one impacts all, if we really embrace that mentality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so true that it does take a village and, you know, we have to, we're all a part of a family. And like I had said at the beginning, this generational um, mental illness that goes untreated is so devastating to the children that are being affected by it. So um, I think it's so important um, to help anybody in anyone in your circle, right? In, even in your um, social spheres that are being impacted by mental illness. Um, it's it's really a, an imperative for the entire community. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you need this book. You need to connect with Wendy. How can they find you, Wendy, if they wanted to talk with you directly, do work with you? Where could they reach out? So my website is wendytamisrobbins.com. It's T-A-M-I-S and there's two B's in Robbins. On there, you can find, um, there's a contact sheet for speaking engagements, my programs, things like that. There's also a page where you can sign up for coaching calls if you want more of a one-on-one experience. I know that mental illness and, you know, coaching around it especially is not a one-size-fits-all, you know, coaching experience. So sometimes it's better to have that one-on-one experience. You can also find the book on my website. You can also find the book on Amazon, of course, and where all books are sold online. Um, And then I'm on Instagram. I love connecting, especially with women on Instagram. I've met a lot of amazing women there. Um, That's also Wendy underscore Tamis underscore Robbins. And then Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, but I'd love a follow on Instagram. Of course, those numbers count, unfortunately, but, um, yeah. So yeah, I'd love to hear from people. Um, and it's just been so lovely talking to you. It's, I love your, I love your podcast. So, and I love what you do. So thank you so much. Thank you. You are a jewel to us. And so if you could just leave us with a few words of inspiration, our last final thoughts, if there was something that it's on your heart and that you haven't had a chance to say or to inspire somebody that especially that woman may be feeling alone and isolated and you think about when you were in your darkest space what you would have loved to have heard what would those words be Wendy? Mm, I think it would be that um you know our purpose here is not to um deal with our disorders 
Our purpose is to reveal and reflect our true nature. In these burdens that we're carrying around depression and anxiety, that is not our true nature. Listen to that that voice deep inside, right? We all have that when we feel it on the, you know, the hairs on the back of our neck stand up. There's something underneath it all. And we have techniques, we have help. There's so much help out there to, um, to relieve you of that static that is getting in between you and your true nature. And, you know, there's people here to help. So, so don't forget that, you know, don't forget that that voice is there and don't forget that there's so much more for you. So much more for you. My goodness, absolutely beautiful. Thank you again for sharing your time, your brilliance, your experience with us. We will treasure it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been another rich conversation on the Queen Finance Lifestyle Podcast. Listen, fashion fades, but style endures. And you were meant, meant to endure hard times, good times, all times. And so go out there and rock your world because it is your runway and I'll see you on next Monday. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Queenfidence Lifestyle Podcast with image confidence expert, Christy Kennedy. May you find the strength to stand and the courage to conquer insurmountable obstacles. Visit us online at www.queenfidence.com. What is life without sparkle? You were created to shine. It's time to do what diamonds do. Wellness is wealth and life is limitless.